everyone and welcome back to you, me and Lots GB podcast. Uh, the podcast is sponsored by absolutely no one yet. So please contact us. T's and Z's apply. I always feel like T's and Z's apply is just necessary. How are you, Dion? How has your two weeks been since we've come together in our little thing we call studio? I have a contract with Honda for 2022. Okay, Mark Marquez. Can I have the real Dion please stand up? I'm joking. It just feels like that is the only sentence we hear, we've heard for the last two weeks. Guys, y'all, nice to be back. Welcome back to everybody. Uh, we missed the show, unfortunately. Shanae is busy with bettering our lives and studying a little bit. So things are a little bit hectic being full-time employed and doing a podcast. But we are back and we're going to... Step motor GP, excited to be here. So I thought a good place to start maybe is, do you think that Mark Marquez is playing the perfect media game just to go off at what you just said? You know, I think, I think he's playing it 100% perfectly. I think he's just, he's, he's so good at what he does. He hasn't been around for two or three years. He's been around for 10 years plus. And I think he is playing the perfect media game in the sense that He's putting a little bit of pressure on Honda. Um, he's keeping his options open. I know after the test, and we'll get onto that, it seems like he's, he's serious to me. But everything he's doing is just, he's creating media attention for himself. For himself. So even though he hasn't been performing on a motorcycle, he is still in the headlines with all these little tips and tricks and little nuggets towards, I'm going to Grazini, I'm going to Ducati. Uh, in the Austria race, we saw on Austrian TV, service TV, that he met up with the people from Red Bull. He was there with Pitfire, which is a KTM person. So I honestly think he's playing it perfectly for himself and setting himself up. I'm not saying he's not going to Christine. I'm just saying whether he goes or not, this just puts pressure on Hodner, keeps him in the headlines. I think he's being... Everybody else is playing checkers and he's playing chess, if you ask me. Well, it is Mark Marquez and he's always known for having a bit of flair with anything he does. So I wouldn't put it past him if that is what he's doing. He always keeps it interesting. You never know what to expect. You never know what's going to be said, what's going to come out of his mouth, you know. So he really does keep it interesting. He does. And the thing is, the reason why I could do this, he's not only eight-time world champion, whatever. But if you just look at this weekend's results, he finished six or seven, I can't remember, which is not great from what Mark is, but he was 21 seconds faster than the second fastest Honda. So he's just doing and lining everything up perfectly, not to be forgotten and to stay in the headlines and to do whatever is needed. And I think that is, I don't want to call it a selfish move, and I think he's selfish for doing that. I want to say that he's doing that, also not to stay relevant, but he's just boxing very cleverly. He's the Rasti Rastmut of the GB, if you ask me. Playing some mind games with everyone. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, no, Mark is a very interesting guy. I mean, just if you look at his tantrums and the way he throws a tantrum, that's always to the dramatic flair of anything he does. But yeah, I mean, it does make it a bit of, it's good having... The crazy character in any story. So it's really interesting for MotoGP to have that. So he's actually doing them a favor because it's really good television at this point. I 100% agree with you. You'd know you watch so much reality TV. 
how boring would it be if everybody was just the same and we did this over and over? You need a mark markers to do these little stunts to keep things interesting. And it's stuff like that that creates headlines, not only for MotoGP current viewers, for one out of 10 people maybe not currently a MotoGP viewer, and one of those headlines might catch them. You need personalities, and Mark is a personality. That's another another thing is like Jack. Jack was quiet this weekend, but Jack is usually a personality. We'll get on to Jack a little bit later, but yeah, that's just the fact of it. So would you say it would be the mid-pack? Howls of Mark and Miller, this crisis. <laughs> yeah, they 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 could be good mid back friends. The two of them. Well, unfortunately for Jack, actually, he was he was not mid back this weekend. He was. That was a tough one. Cruising around with the Honda, the other Honda, the twenty one seconds behind Hondas. Staying with Mark, Mark is something else. Note noteworthy after the test on Monday, he said that if that is the base, that twenty twenty four Honda is going to be. They're still a long way off. So so that then just reignites that he actually might go to Grizzini. After the testing on Monday from the interviews we saw, I think there's a definite possibility that Mark actually is a bluffing and this maybe he's in a media game. He's gonna end up on the I don't he's so good at this. He's just mind fucking absolutely everybody about this. So let's see what happens. It seems like he indicated that there will be an outfit made in India and yeah. I could tell you one thing now. Someone like Guzzini Ducati, which is obviously a satellite team, would be more than happy to sign on the biggest name in the in, in the game, don't you think? Yes, especially with it being or getting him close to the Ducati seat as possible would also be something I think that the fans would love to see. So I think it'd also be playing into just gaining that fan support. Also it would he would really be a threat on any Ducati at this point. Just to it'd be cool to see what he does with it also if he does land there and just to get away from his unfortunate streak at Honda would be great. I agree with you. I think it's gonna make the championship more interesting because Bigger Vignaya won't be running away because even if it's a year old Ducati, I honestly think Mark would be very competitive. So it's a win win that's good for the sport, create a blind. I think we could be the first people to give more Markage shit on this podcast. But I honestly do not think the sport, and I want to say wouldn't survive without him because the sport survived without Rossi. But at this stage, Mark Mark is still very, very needed in MotoGP and for the sport to grow. Speaking about some, an old D but a gold D. So um, Danny Pedrosa, you know, really showed that he still got it in those old bag of bones of his. You know, Danny was a massive surprise, I think. The, the only person that made more headlines or got more TV time and got more video views this weekend was Danny Petrosa. 37 years old, he's a, originally a, a part of the, the aliens, that they call them, the, the elite bunch of very talented MotoGP riders, and he still had it. He did say on Saturday that he could feel his right feet with Pekka Benyaya or trying to overtake Pekka Benyaya, but being 37 years old and being what he's doing, it's it's remarkable. Like people can say whatever the hell you want. You always on a carbon fiber chassis, but he's testing the new stuff, so maybe the new stuff works. Regardless of that, he still absolutely whooped Paul Espargo and Fernandez, which is both on RC sixteen as well. So the old man still has it. Right? So Yes, that no, was very impressive. I mean, especially coming in the wild heart and then just performing so well and unfortunately performing better than what Brad could actually do was actually something to watch and being that close to even overtaking someone like Peko just on 
a random race. I mean, that's just really incredible. No, it is definitely. And yeah, I, I think Danny, Danny's been crucial to the KTM success. That's my personal opinion. As a test rider, I think a, a big part of it has to do that Danny's very competitive. What we're talking about now, a lot of these test riders, uh, Piero and whoever else, all these other guys who know them, Sabadori, they go on wildcard for Aprilia, Ducati and Honda and whoever, and they perform, but they don't fight in front. And I think in having someone like Danny that is still very competitive gives such a valuable feedback to the team because it's actually useful feedback because it's not someone that's a second off. Because someone that's a second slower, second is like like using MotoGP. Having someone that's a second slower, how accurate could the information be for someone like Becker? Because he's faster, he, he rides the together than I'm saying. So I think yeah, having someone like Danny that's still very competitive, I think it's great. And staying on the KTM topic, we need to talk about Brad Binder. And I think even though Brad fell this weekend and then uh, didn't have the greatest, he didn't have a great start on the sprint today, I really think Brad is starting to assert dominance as the top dog in, in KTM. He's been doing it for a while, but I think there's no doubt now. I think Brad Binder will be the first KTM to be a world champion without a shadow of a doubt. Well, if not him, then who? I mean, like they really put in a lot of effort with him and he's really been a crucial part of building that team. And I think he's really helped them build to their success. They haven't gotten a championship yet, but they've come really, really close. And it's really been actually a cool journey to watch and all the improvements they've been making. It's, I mean, like we love an underdog story and just we don't have a lot of South Africans being able to have these opportunities. So for us being South Africans watching this is great. And it's also just watching the team build together because they're very much on team building and yep. growing together. And I, I think it's it's the South African way. And we need to just chat about that for a second. The South African way really, if you look at it, if you look at the spin box and wait, Nick, and, and so many, I'm sure a lot of the, our listeners have seen my TikTok videos. I'm a lot of things, but I'm very proudly South African. And I think there's nothing we love more than this underdog tag where people tell you, you can't, you can't, you can't, KTM can't. And I think Brad has shown his loyalty and commitment to the point where they're going to get it right. And he's working so closely with KTM. They're building, it's sustainable. He's improving. Um, he's the only one that's really sticking around and hasn't left or isn't new. So that bike's being, I don't want to say designed around him, but very much designed to his liking. And somewhere this underdog's going to bite. There's a saying that goes, you leave an underdog in a fight long enough, they're going to start believing. And once they start believing, you're in trouble. So I think that's going to happen. It's in South Africans' nature. I listened to a podcast today, one of one of the other MotoGP podcasts, where they spoke to a gentleman named Ben Moore. And I didn't know this. Maybe not such a big fan of that thought. But Ben Moore is the agent or the manager for Darren Binder, Brad Binder, and Aaron Connett. And Ben specifically numerous times mentioned how great human beings Brad and Darren both are and how often that he gives kudos to the Binder family for raising proper boys with, with respect. But that's a that's a very South African thing. And I think why that ties into this and why this ties into this underdog story, I really think, and you hear it often on the feeds and on, on, on the TV, that Brad has this attitude and he's a humble guy. He's like, we are still a developing bike. 
whatever bike he gets on, whether it's a Saturday on a Sunday or qualifying, he's not like, I don't want to call the other guys spoiled or entitled or whatever. He just gets on with the job. This is what I have. This is what I need to make work. I'm just going to go put my head down and make the best of the situation because he understands the value, I think, of being there. He is... He knows what a big what big stage it is. He goes just sit back and complain about. It. He makes the best out of every situation. I think that's a very South African trade. Taking whatever situation you, whether it's low cheating, whether it's the rain falling to the heat, dollar, whatever. We start to be resilient, and I think that is helping Brad a lot. I don't know if you agree with me that. Yeah, no, I think how someone's rate is a big point in how far they're going to come in their careers. But I also would write off Jack. As part of the team, I think he's also a crucial part of the team. And I think he has a lot of technical knowledge, like we've seen in many interviews. He, I think he brings like that aspect to the team. He's been helpful to their success as well. I mean, he's just, he hasn't had an excellent year. It's maybe been his worst that he's performed. But I, as a teammate and as what he means to the team, we can highlight that and his efforts in that way. I agree with you 100%. I don't think you've ever been more right. I often look at Brad and think Brad's the greatest, which I've obviously at South African we all do. But I think the technical knowledge is so 100% right that Jack brought from Bugatti, I think, is one of the main reasons KTM had been able to step, make this big step in this direction. He's, he's so valuable to the team because he's been around. He was on that factory Ducati, which we all know is the, the prominent and the dominant buy. No one can argue with it. So that knowledge he brings is is hundred percent a massive factor in KTM's current success story. Yeah, I can really see that. Like he really gets down to even like the smaller details that maybe not everyone thinks. Like everyone's trying to make the big leaps and the big changes, but that small little improvements, constant improvements, is actually so important. Like we've seen it with the Kaizen Toyota theory. I mean, just like those little small improvements constantly. Really, and like when we can see in his interviews, like as he says, he'll like ride on and then he'll just be like, team, okay, guys, like let's move this to this section or just moving this small thing here. And then it like has this big impact, which I think is quite impressive. So it's just like his brain really goes into the small narratives of the bike. 100%. Like I said, I agree. And you, you can't look past it this weekend's result. I'm going to put it into. Because obviously he starts, I think he started 17. I don't know even where he ended. He didn't end at the points. It's 15 and above. But I'm going to put that down in something I've noted here on a chat about. He's heading home to Australia now for his first child to be born with Ruby. So it's literally happening next weekend. I think uh, he's having a C-section. So as a father myself, who's very dedicated to his career and basically does everything around his career and hobby, I could tell you something. And you know, there's nothing bigger in life than the birth of your first child. So I don't think his head was 100% in the game this weekend. And that's 100% fine because the whole world doesn't revolve around MotoGP. He's going to be a father the rest of his life. And it's going to be the biggest day of his life. It's going to be bigger than winning any championship or anything else he'll ever do. So I don't think his head was in the game and that's, that's 100% okay. I do think he's going to come back with a new, I want to say a new, Love for life, but I think he, it's going to make an impact on him um, that he's going to be comfortable. Well, I think that's a very good point. I mean, if you look at where Brad is in his life, like he's just kind of starting out in his career. He has a lot of goals. 
he has a you know a lot of I think more drive and free time and he's not I don't know if they're starting a family or thinking about it but you know he's still very much in his fundamental years of building blocks and figuring out where you're gonna be where I think Miller just got married and the baby's on the way so he's very much also building that family life and that can really shift your priorities mentally as to what's most important and how to handle not being there for those important years I mean it's also it takes time away from your family missing these special moments and all that could also be playing in the back of his head and really affect how he's riding is going. So yeah I think you, you're very right about Brad I saw on Instagram the other day him and Courtney are getting married and I think it's 100 days Obviously, we don't know him personally. I don't know if he's ready to start a family yet. But yeah, I think Jack is just a year or two ahead of uh, of Brad when it comes to these things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, I think it's going to give Jack a new or new life for the for the game. It does change its thing for any person or any any man or any father. So I'm excited to see the Jack Miller uh, that that's a dad. That's going to be that's going to be exciting. Well, if there's someone that would I think would be like a really cool dad. It would be a Miller to have like a really cool kid that's just going to start racing at like three year old on like a little KTM with his little KTM gear. I won't put it past Brad as give it's like gift ideas that I'm giving through right now. Plus actually getting to know the riders a little bit personally and seeing someone like Jack and Ruby and even having a child and knowing about Courtney and Brad and and Mark, and there's rumors that his fiance is, is pregnant. There's, I have no evidence to substantiate that there's rumors going around. But it, it's, that's that's what I personally like of a sport. Sometimes the rating on track is boring, but we've gotten to know these personalities. And like a good TV show, you get invested in personalities. So, yeah, congratulations, Jack and Ruby. My period to bring you a lot of joy. Like you're finishing, finishing up with KTM then Monday after. The, the the Mazana test because there was a test on Monday after the race the official test it seems like Kate team really has found something with the Scorpion Fiber chassis Brad Binder finished third fastest for the day on one lap speed so Carbon Fiber is not something 100% new to MotoGP it's something that they've tried previously but who knows with the new era and stuff it seems like KTM has found something there and we can just hope that they did Everybody's talking about it. We believe it. KTM is the next big thing, the next the next to get to. So that they're gonna keep making small steps towards the Getty until they get on that level and be even better. So exciting times ahead. Yes, and I was very surprised was watching Moto Two to see the little presence that Ducati actually has at like the building phases of the different Moto GP sports. And it's basically just KTM pushing their bikes there and and it's just really interesting seeing KTM being dominant and I think as any smart business that would really be a good foundation to build your success on and is to start there and actually have traction throughout all the races. Yeah, 100% right. I think you're starting to see that with the, the problem they're having with Pedro Acosta and finding Pedro Acosta's seat because they've got so many young riders, Major 3, Major 2, on the equipment and they picking up the talent first they picked up someone like Pedro Acosta the last I don't know how many Moto2 world champions were all on KTM's of Galax chassis so KTM starting at the bottom it's really funneling up to having the talent at the top they should just try and get more more bikes and MotoGP now to, to make to make space for all this talent they're acquiring no that really is true it's really a cool thing to see 
and just supporting starts and riders and supporting the youth and actually building their careers with them. Speaking about someone else that was dominating the weekend, we got a Jorge Martins at a triple because he got pole position sprints and the main race. Yeah, this is the dominant, dominant showing from, from Jorge. I feel like he's really taking steps towards being a championship contender. And as I say that, I remember he said in one of the press conferences that championship are something that factory riders worry about. So I think that's a little stab at you get for choosing best and you need to take the best uh, the, the factory seat over him last year. So he's saying he's not worried about a championship, but he's really turning into championship material on Saturday in the qualifying. He broke a, 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 a lap record with, like, I think it was almost close to second. So yeah, he's just maturing and I think he's really going to, next year we might really see him do something that's going to be special. Yes, he's really stepping up to the podium, pun intended. <laughs> well, he's stepping up to that podium every weekend now. So yeah, Jorge is, is moving up the results over the weekend. Obviously, he wasn't grateful, Brad, except for calling everybody, even when he was still on the bike, ahead of him was all also ahead of him in the championship. So he was losing points to Bezeki, Motsin, and Bengaya. But I think after falling in the race of that today, we can call it on Brad's chances of winning a championship this year, which is sad. But realistically, I don't think KTM was in a position where they thought they were going to fight for a championship. That's not too bad. But yeah, Jorge Martin, well done. We like really good. Moving on to the Mazzano weekend, what was your overall take on the weekend? What stood out for you? My overall take is that the racing in itself was a little bit boring because the people that was running in front was all on Ducatis and it was all a high grip track. And obviously the Gatti's strengths and weaknesses are exactly the same. So it was difficult to overtake. So we didn't see a lot of action. The most action we saw was Brad Brenda and the sprint race and had a horrible start and then came back and over two plus five guys. Except for that, the race, which we're talking about the race, one of the more boring races, but I guess it happened. Not on Formula One level yet, not Max Verstappen. But, yeah, from what I could see from the TV, the facilities and stuff looked nice. So. Yeah, no, the facilities really did stand out for me as well. I really thought it was like really, it looked like a well maintained and well kept track. And obviously, it is a fan favorite of the pickers and Italian riders that got to race. I mean, you said that they did a count of how many laps that they've actually done at the race and how much was it again? Yeah, I can't remember exactly. I don't want to quite fax that out, but it was it was in the hundreds of thousands of laps between the VR 46 Academy guys that, are, that even coded um, the, the VR 46 writers like, I think, a stone's throw from there. So... Those someone mentioned over the weekend that the quick calculation that they did how many laps the the combined the VR forty six guys have done around there and it's in the hundreds of pounds so over the years. So yeah, they obviously really, really good there. But it, it looks nice, it looks clean. It's difficult to see. I don't think you see everything I don't think you see everything on TV, but we as spectators just judge I could be compared to a uh, Termas de Rio Wanda in Argentina just looks like a much better environment to be in. And there was 140,000 Italians there, so it's going to be that bad. 
Yeah, so it was definitely an Italian fan favorite place to be, but I also think it really does make a difference. Knowing the track, riding it so many times, being on it, you really get the feel of it and the movements. And I mean, it's practicing a perfect dance. Exactly how much you can lean and how fast you go here, you really like sequence it out. So I think that's unfortunate advantage that the, the Italian already had entering into this race against anyone else that haven't had the luck of actually racing there a lot. I agree with you, 100%. So that, that just makes Fortnite Martins win so much more spectacular as a Spaniard to go and beat the, the Italians right in their backyard where they grew up. It was, was spectacular. So that's quite cool. Another nice and like really awesome moment for me from this week is racing what I think it was in Q1. Mark Marquez caught a toe behind Danny Pedrosa, and we all know Mark that was the catches toes or whatever, the old Marquez trick. They obviously both Spaniards, they previously, when when Danny was still in MotoGP before you started watching tonight, they were teammates. So seeing that whole thing, I mean, afterwards, Mark stopped next to Danny, and obviously I don't know how good of a mate they saw and our teammates at the world, we just grabbed him behind the helmets, just like grabbed him on the helmets and be like, thank you. And just tap his bike and be like, thank you for the daily butter. So it was just like a, a funny moment for him. Oh, okay. so just, I don't know if he was politely giving him shit or whatever, but that was, that was like, it was nice to see a little bit of camaraderie in the, in the paddock there. Yeah, no, that was the cool moment. It's really good to see the bromances actually catch a glimpse. I mean, it'd be really cool to have a platform where we can see a bit more behind the scenes footage of how the teammates actually get along and how they interact with each other. So it's cool seeing this. Something I was last week, Nike, I want to chat to you quickly about before we get onto your pick of the week. Podcast is blown by, I get it. Um, Brad Binder's helmet. This <laughs> is a Brad Binder podcast again, but it's fine. Other people that speak enough about him, so we'll just do whatever. Special edition helmet that had the San Marino design on it, that blue and stuff. It didn't look bad, but I didn't like that it had like no South African flag anyway. I will counter you with uh, Bagnaia's yellow Ducati. Okay, well, Bagnaia's Teddy Tabi Ducati takes the award for being the worst thing of the weekend, but Brad Binder's helmet's close. Oh, you saw that yellow Teddy Tabi bean flying about the whole race. It was just, I kept having to remind myself, like, who played a wild card? Who's this new wild card driving on? Because I could. My brain couldn't focus that Bengaya is not on the red seat. was out of nowhere. I don't know. From red to yellow, it's such a specific move. And yellow is really not a sexy color. You think of a red Ferrari or a red Audi or a red Ducati, it's like, it's the epitome of sex appeal. Like, yellow doesn't do that. You look like fucking mustard. Uh, something to note from my side or that something I just want to mention. Uh, since we've actually started speaking about them, Miguel Oliveira and Maverick Mignolis has actually started been making podiums and been becoming contenders for the podiums and been pushing and performing at a higher rate than I would say the first half of this year. I agree with you. This does definitely seem like, especially before this weekend, maybe Aprilia has found something in late winning in, in Catalonia. Um, Maverick is very competitive. Miguel is just close. I think if Miguel was on a this year's Aprilia would really be at the top often. So I agree with you. It does seem like Aprilia is constantly making steps. So it's a race between them and KTM. Get uh, Dugetti. You're right. 
Thank you. We're going to end then with your pick of the week. Time has caught us a little bit. So who did you choose this week in your pick of the week? So I chose someone that also maybe, I don't know if it's us or just the luck or whatever, but as soon as we throw out our predictions, it starts leaning that way for the writers. As as I mentioned with like Jorge, that you know, watch the space, something's about to happen. He's really started stepping up. Miguel started stepping up. I made that joke where I don't even know who Maverick was at a point because he was not being focus point. And now he's also stepped up. So I'm hoping this next rider might get a chance to also just real step up and just do well this season. So I chose Augusto Fernandez. Some of the fun facts that I found was that he um, nominated Mark Marquez to win 2023 championship. Yeah, so he's not very good at predicting. He should stay away from the sports meeting. And he's also um, would love that if Mark Marquez would have become his personal coach. So I guess that's kind of sweet in a so way. What we've learned so far is that he's the Mark Marquez fanboy. Yes, he's his groupie. So on his off time, I also found that he's really into like hip hop and R and B. And then "Lose Yourself" by Eminem is his favorite song. And I was just thinking about this: English is their second language. But I'm wondering if these versions of these songs are like available in their languages and do they listen or just is the original still good enough i would pay a lot of money to hear lose yourself in spanish i don't know yeah no i'm sure they listen to it in english i don't think it's like a dub movie asan was um his nomination for his favorite track i don't know if that makes sense with his writing style so asan makes sense in the fact that i think a lot of writers use asan and philip island because it's a very fast flowing track a lot of overtaking it's like a roller coaster. It just seems like a lot of fun. So I often hear riders saying Essen of Phillip Island are very often nominated for favorite tracks. Yeah. But Joseph, what I've gathered so far is that he just seems like a very cool, calm and collected, sweet guy that's really supportive and respectful of his peers. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in again. As always, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. The same cheers, mate. We'll chat chat after India, where Augusta Fernandez has won 